Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there, and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. Happy Thanksgiving, dude. Happy Thanksgiving, dude. I hope you had a nice holiday with your family. I know you went to Disneyland and had some fun. Yes, sir. Spent some time with family, the Sharks. We did. Spent some time with family. We went to Disneyland, and as is basic tradition with... My daughter, she makes friends everywhere she goes, and she made a friend in line for Soarin' Over the World with a little girl from Edmonton. Huh, that's cool. And uh, her dad, big Edmonton Oilers fan, we ended up spending almost the entire day with them. Oh, sweet. uh, Because the girls were inseparable. Um Dad, name was uh, William, uh, played uh, college hockey for the Idaho Vandals. Nice. Uh, and uh, big Edmonton Oilers fan. We talked a lot of hockey. And it was fun, actually. I mean, I think he was uh, uh, pleasantly surprised that the, the San Jose uh, boy could hold his own <laughs> in, uh, in talking hockey. But it was fun to talk about, like, the Oilers teams uh, – that have given the Sharks trouble over the years and kind of his take on what's going on in Edmonton right now and, you know, how the team has has had a resurgence. And uh, it was cool. Yeah, always good to, to find a hockey fan at the happiest place on earth. That's it, made right. it, even, it made it even happier. That's right. I was going to say, that's does it get any happier than that? Yeah, and I got to say, dude, last night we were flying home and uh, Orange County Airport, there's the Anaheim Ducks, like, grill Right? I have been to the Orange County Airport many times. Yes. So the Anaheim Ducks like grill there. Yeah. Our flight was delayed. We're like, oh, what are we gonna do? And it kind of, I told, I told my wife, I said, I, I can't eat here. <laughs> yeah. On principle, right? Right. But there's really nowhere else. We sat down, dude. I got to tell you, if you're at the Orange County Airport, the food at the Anaheim Ducks Grill was good. I couldn't believe it was airport food. I, I got to go tell there. you. I can't Dude, go. I'm telling you, just put on the blinders. You didn't have to re, like root for anything Ducks. It was, I, I don't know what to say. If you're, if you're stuck at the Orange County Airport for four hours like we were, then you got to go. To that restaurant, dude. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm keeping it real. All right. If I'm stuck there for over four hours, I'll go to the restaurant. Otherwise, I'm, I'm staying put. That's that's well, well, well put, dude. Well put, dude. Well, the Sharks are continuing the streak. They've had, um, you know, a, a bad loss to Winnipeg here in the last little while, but they are still winning games. They are now in playoff position. That's right. Which a month they're, ago was completely unthinkable. Yeah, I mean, they're the hottest team in the Western Conference, dude. I mean, they. Uh, one of the best teams in hockey in the month of November. And they've completely flipped the script. They've turned their season around. They've taken advantage of this long homestand. And they've won eight of their last ten, dude. And uh, they've beaten some good teams along the way. Yeah, the loss to Winnipeg was a bit of a blip. Uh, But Winnipeg is – they're also playing well themselves. And, you know, you look at Winnipeg – 
They're ten and five on the road. What? Yeah, crazy. They just had a they had a great road trip. They've won seven of their last ten. They're playing incredibly well. I mean, I think it shouldn't be undersold here that the Sharks. Yeah, did they beat the LA Kings twice? Yes, they did. But you you take away those two losses to the Sharks. The Kings are six and one in their last seven. Yeah. Other than those losses to the Sharks, so you know what? I mean, those have got to be viewed as, even though the Kings are not a good team overall, they've been playing much better. Those are that's pretty good wins. So, uh, and I mean, probably the best win was when they fell down early in Arizona and they came back and won that game against a good Arizona Coyotes team. Good win. Yeah, they gave up two goals in two in the first two minutes of the game. Classic, like vintage last season sharks where they basically dig themselves a hole right away and come out on the ice immediately start digging and then they just kind of put the pedal down a little bit and just slowly grind it out and beat them and Couture had I, I was reading today he's had one of the best months of any sharks player ever he's had the third best month of any sharks player in the history of the franchise only behind a Joe Thornton month, and did you read that article? Nope. I bet you can't guess the second best month in the Sharks history, dude. Ooh, I'm gonna go. Um, uh, I'm gonna go. Team Usulani. That's a good guess. I'm gonna say it's a player in that era, but not Team Usulani. Jeff Friesen. No, a little bit after Friesen. Okay, let's go. Chichu. Also good guess, not correct. This is going to be a difficult one, dude. I don't know if you're going to get this one. It's not going to it's not going to be in your top 10. Oh man. Okay, I'm going to go uh last guess. Scott Parker. <laughs> good guess. Closer. <laughs> Than Chichu, the answer Vincent Damfus. Ooh, yeah, yeah. ooh, that's, that's, that's going that's, that's going deep in the archive. Yeah, that's a that's a name that uh, you get excited about for a moment, and then you remember some of the things you've heard about him, and then you go, oh. "Yeah, that's not a name that immediately comes <laughs> to mind." Vincent Damfus, yeah, nicely, nicely pulled out there. Yes, he. He had some good times in a Sharks uni for sure. I mean, Couture, 18 points in 15 games this month. He's been he's been money, dude. He's been money, and there's been other players that have played well. And it's certainly no uh, coincidence, right, that the Sharks players who were non-existent, you know, Timo Meyer non-existent the first month of the season. In November, almost a point a game. 14 points in 15 games, seven goals, playing a lot more like the Timo Meyer that we know and love. Eric Carlson, a plus seven. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for showing up, brother. Thanks for showing up, right? Better late than uh, never. Hurdle over a point per game. He's been out for a couple games, but he's 12 points in 11 games. Uh, Barkley Goudreau, what? 10 points in 15 games. Okay, and maybe the most important, as noted by uh, Kevin Kurz, Vlasic has seven points. He's a plus 13. If you look at his first month, he had one point 
and was a minus 11 yeah. in the month of October. It is a completely different player. Completely different. Yep. Yep. And and the fourth line doesn't look terrible, dude. Auntie Suomela is playing well. He's driving possession. He's getting some minutes, not a ton of them, but it sort of seems like the fourth line might have a couple of players that aren't terrible, which yeah, is good. Well, I mean, uh, my prediction coming a little bit late, but I'll take it anyways. Looks like right now Noah Gregor had a nice goal the other night. He really uh, did. Suomela seems to have found uh, some trust from Pete DeBoer. I would like to see those guys play more than eight minutes a night, which is what they're averaging right now. Maybe they'll continue to earn some of the trust of the coach and get into that 10, 11-minute range and and see a little more ice time and maybe take some of the miles off of some of these other guys. I don't love that Patrick Marlowe is playing 16 and a half minutes a night. Like I just don't think that's sustainable for the year. And I think we're already – you know, Joe Thornton uh, is – Pretty quiet this year, right? Yeah. I mean, at least statistically, pretty quiet. Uh, you know, not very strong uh, year so far from Joe. Um, nine points in uh, twenty-eight games, right? Minus five. Yep. Not not great in the face-off dot either. Um, but Jumbo's got Jumbo's got some decent possession numbers. He's, he's creating sure. more chances than he's allowing, but that cannot be said for Patrick Marlowe, who has the worst Corsi percentage of any regular player. The only players worse than him are guys who have played eight games or less, Trevor Carrick, Leon Bergman, and Jacob Middleton. He's in the Melker Carlson, Marcus Sorensen bracket for the Sharks right now. Poor possession drivers. Actually, Burns not very good possession numbers either. He's down near the bottom of the team. So right. Burns got some points, but I think uh, he could he could tune it up here a little bit. He's definitely got room to grow, and it, and it shows, you know, his plus-minus number, which is, you know, can be misleading, at least in this case doesn't appear to be that misleading. And, and if we look at Brent Burns, um, you know, a little unlucky in terms of PDO, but not completely outlandish compared to a lot of teammates. So... You know, Brent Burns definitely has some some room to improve here. Uh, but but uh, you can't say enough. I mean, this team is trending in the right direction. Finally, right? Yep. Finally, and uh, the opportunity is there. You know, some of these teams that got off to hot starts, Vancouver has fallen out of playoffs position. Calgary is a hot mess right now with what's going on inside of that organization Vegas has been running very hot and cold they have not been their usual dominant selves at home they're under 500 at home uh, even though they've won three in a row now you know uh, they have not been great uh, and Edmonton is 500 in their last 10 games and so is Arizona so uh, the Sharks are right back in it they're only six points behind Edmonton for the top of the Pacific and, you know, you got to think that all those teams, this was their worst nightmare, that the Sharks might figure this out because, uh, you know, on paper, they are still the best team in the Pacific, in my opinion. And I think they're finally starting to play like that. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they've t certainly taken advantage of this week section of the schedule. 
unfortunately that week section of the schedule appears to be over at this point um and they're playing tomorrow night tuesday versus the best team in the nhl the washington capitals and then carolina's not doing great tampa bay's not doing great but those are both pretty good teams then at florida and at nashville so you know, not really any stretch of easy games here coming up for the Sharks. Uh, you know, Florida is in second place in in the very difficult Atlantic Division, so they're no joke. Um, you know, Carolina is has a couple more points than the Sharks do, but they're around the same part. And, of course, the Capitals are tied for the best uh, record in the league um, with with the Boston Bruins, and they're, they're just scoring – a truckload of goals. They're the only team that scored three digit goals and they have a great goal differential and, and they're, they're doing well in their last 10. So the Washington Capitals just keep rolling on. Luckily the Sharks get to play them at home, which I think the, sh- the Caps have a pretty poor record in the lifetime at the tank, but um, you can't say the Sharks will be favored in this game. Washington is uh, pretty fearsome so far. Yeah. We're going to learn a lot. I think in these next two weeks about, uh, whether this improvement was a touch of a mirage based on the soft spot schedule, or if this team is truly one of the top eight, ten teams in the NHL, and they can go toe to toe with some teams that are playing pretty well, you know, uh, Washington. This is going to be a great test. The way Washington plays, uh, you know, uh, dangerous attack, fast pretty physical uh that's not a great recipe for the sharks uh typically in terms of uh, how they handle teams like that like vegas so uh we'll see how the sharks handle washington i I don't know if backstrom is still out but he's been out so um that certainly is a blow to them but they've they've won their last three games and uh tough test for the sharkies and then of course going on the road going to carolina Going to Tampa Bay is not playing well, but that's still going to be a hard game. Going to Florida, who is playing very well. Going to Nashville, and Nashville is not uh, having a good year, but that is always a difficult place for the Sharks to play. But Nashville, you know, 3-5-2 and two in their last 10. Under 500 home. You know, I don't think that's nearly as uh, dangerous as it, as it typically is, but it still will be challenging these next five games, all tough. I mean, what would you uh, consider to be an acceptable return on these five games, dude? Oh, man, that's tough. Uh, I mean, six points would be nice. Uh, You know, that's sort of where I'm thinking. 500, roughly, over 500 would be nice. Florida and Washington, you have to figure those are going to be really tough games to win. Tampa Bay, of course, is a good team. You'd like to think maybe they can surprise Nashville. Um, you know, they won in a shootout versus Nashville earlier in the year, um, but they had a bad loss to start the season, but they had a bad loss to start the season against everybody. Um, so, you know, that seems like a winnable game. You know, I'd like to see Florida. I, I, you know, being on the West Coast, don't see Florida play. I'm really interested to see how good this team is right you know certainly toronto had their 
coaching problem, and they seem to have bounced a little bit with the new coach. Um, but Florida is still in second place in that division behind the Boston Bruins, although they're 12 points behind the Bruins, which is kind of insane. And the Sabres are still up at the top. So that's a pretty topsy-turvy division that no one really expected to see the lightning in the bottom half, although they've played fewer games than everybody. So I, I want to see what is it about Florida that is so good. Um, what are they doing that um, is causing them to to be so good in, in this very difficult place to be playing and against generally pretty difficult competition so you know that's going to be interesting to see what's going on i mean jonathan huberto alex barkoff of course is who who would be their star but they don't have a big scorer on the lineup unlike the boston bruins where pasternak already has 25 goals or something i mean it's it's insane how good the bruins are right now but it looks like they're getting pretty balanced scoring and they're just not giving up a lot that appears to be the situation yeah, I got to say, you know, looking ahead to the schedule, dude, the the schedule makers didn't do the Sharks a whole lot of favors uh, in terms of, you know, they, they've they got, you know, you know, they're getting Nashville, that Nashville game. The Sharks will be playing three games in four nights. Nashville will have had two days of rest. That's not the, an ideal situation for ending your road trip, going in and playing a rested home team, a good rested home team. When you're playing your third game in four nights, they got to play the two Florida teams back to back nights. Uh, Florida does play back to back as well, um, and you know, but they don't have to travel, so um, not a great situation for the Sharks. Maybe you hope that uh, you know Florida the night before uh, they will have played Columbus. So maybe that might be a bit of an emotional game for them uh, with Bobrovsky right. going up against his old team. you got to figure for sure he's going to play them, right? Oh, yeah. So maybe they'll lay it all out on the line for him. Sharks won't see Bobrovsky, and they might be able to pick up a win there. I mean, uh, after you know a, a bit of an emotional letdown spot for maybe that team if they win that game. So uh, maybe look at that, dude. If we're looking at ways to pick up points, that Florida game might be a big one. Uh, wouldn't it be nice if the Sharks could go to Florida and sweep it? Because uh, Tampa Bay is a riddle right now. I mean, they are not playing well. And, you know, I would say, you know, Cooper, you might be able to circle his name as someone who might be on the hot seat. Yep. And Babcock could be, you know, lurking in the wings. But I don't know if Mike Babcock is going to be coaching anytime soon, dude. Yeah, I mean, this might be the time to talk about some of the big news in the NHL over the past little while. I mean, certainly there's been some real controversy involving coaches, Mike Babcock getting fired, and then this story coming out of him playing these seemingly fairly juvenile and mean mind games with Mitch Marner, where he asked Marner to rank all of the players in terms of how hard they worked, and then Mike Babcock told the rest of the team how Marner ranked them. You know, obviously putting Marner in a very difficult spot as a rookie, you know, a 21 or 20 year old Mitch Marner basically telling, uh, indirectly telling, you know, seasoned veterans of the NHL that they aren't working hard enough. I, I makes me wonder where Patrick Marlowe was on that list at the time. But, you know, that just seems like kind of a crappy thing to do. And, and just one of those stereotypical, like, you know, I almost think like a Mike Keenan kind of move where just everybody hates him. And it seemed like they, they immediately responded when Sheldon Keefe took over and won a couple games. So, um, 
you know it's that's pretty bad press for babcock (laughs) and uh i don't know if uh anyone is gonna be canning their coach the way we talked about last week to hire him and as kevin kerr said in his article i think when when people were talking about oh well maybe they'll replace DeBoer, and he said listen babcock hasn't like gone out of the first round since like 2012 you know he hasn't gotten out of the second round since 2008 or 2009 it's not like babcock has this recent killer history in the playoffs and taking these teams far beyond where they should be. I mean, Toronto's been a good team for a couple years now, and they've, you know, maybe run up against a tough Bruins team, but still, they haven't exactly overproduced here. So I'm not sure, so sure Babcock will be, you know, snapped up immediately. Yeah, I mean, you take a look at, you know, how good is the coach, or was the coach just coaching an all-time great team, right? Like, I mean, maybe Babcock is overrated, you know. I right. mean, those those Detroit teams were stacked up and down, right? You know, uh, maybe Babcock isn't all he's cracked up to be because he certainly wasn't able to get it done in Toronto. So, no, there's definitely a uh, proceed with caution sticker on Mike Babcock, and I don't think we're going to see anybody move towards him this season for sure, especially given. All of the bad press around, uh, you know, the Bill Peters uh, resignation. Uh, now, uh, some of the things that are coming out are allegations against the Sutters. Uh, you know, you have these coaches, and I think it's um, this is only the tip of the iceberg, dude. I oh, mean, yeah. I think yeah. we're gonna we're gonna start to hear more and more uh, of these, you know. Um, Mistakes made by coaches, GMs, players, you know, and um, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I'm looking at Seattle right now to see if uh, if they're going to move forward with Ron Francis because there's a lot to learn still about what happened with Bill Peters in Carolina, dude. I mean, like, if, if he kicked and, like, and physically – you know, got physical with with two players, right? Yeah. And Ron Francis didn't tell the owner. Yeah. Then you got to think that Seattle's owner is going to can Ron Francis pretty fast, right? This could be the end of some pretty, you know, big names in the hockey field, right? We've seen Don Cherry go down. By his own doing, right? Oh, yeah. We've seen Bill Peters go down. We've seen uh, Babcock get fired because his team was playing like crap. But it was a it was a byproduct of the fact that apparently they freaking hate him. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? And they couldn't wait for him to be gone. And now we've got, you know, other rumblings of other players and other coaches. And this is there's more to come here. There's more to come. It makes you wonder about what we're going to hear about some of these guys like Brian Burke or Doug McClain. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's, it, you know, I, I'm not saying they have done anything wrong. I'm just throwing out some old school hockey names, right? Like some of these guys that are, have been around for a long time that maybe kind of operated in a different era. We're going to start hearing some stories about some of these guys too. I think we are. I, you know, I, I know I pointed you to the Dan Carcillo Twitter, uh, and he's really seems to be pretty involved in a lot of this stuff. And he 
was talking about the Sutters and and how you know they did not they don't seem to have a great reputation uh, in that vein, sort of in the Mike Babcock vein of treating players with dignity and respect um, and playing these kinds of games with with players. And another name I heard thrown about, although he's not coaching in the NHL anymore and hasn't for a while, is Mark Crawford. Um, you know, this is I I think you know th- this kind of this kind of behavior. Maybe you can tell me a little bit more about this in the NBA, but it seems like this is kind of gone in the NBA, right? It's like it's a player-run league, uh, and yeah. you, you can't go and and like pull this kind of crap with these guys anymore, and and try and like pit players against each other and 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 treat them like children and and not talk to them ever and all this kind of stuff. You know, I, I remember it, I was reading a story just recently about this, and they, you know, and the guy said. Yeah, one time I was in the doghouse. I didn't talk to any of the coaches for weeks. Like they literally never said a word to me for weeks and weeks and weeks. They just wouldn't. They wouldn't talk to me. And I don't think that kind of behavior is really going to be effective anymore. Like you know, the, these players are too good. They're making too much money. The assets and their and their relative worth to the team is too high. You can't pull this crap where you're like punching players on the bench. Like it just doesn't. You can't do it. And and frankly, I don't see how that's a a bad thing it's a good thing you know shouldn't people be treated well and play well and all this stuff i mean that's kind of you know I, if you had a boss or i had a boss that treated me like that i would be immediately looking for another job yeah uh, you're right dude in the nba this that that is a player run league you know the players dictate everything if they don't like a coach they're out you know there's uh very little control uh, from coaches or even GMs in that sport. I mean, you've got the superstars and they run and dictate everything, you know. So uh, that's certainly the NBA is a completely different situation from the NHL. But um, yeah, dude, I mean, honestly, I I, I agree with you. This is, um, there's no place for this in life, you know, let alone sports. But um I'm surprised to read comments and dude, you know, I mean, I, I get it. And, you know, there are some things, there's this, you know, player code or whatever, but to, to have, uh, Rod Brindamore basically be like, yep, that happened. Okay. So when were you going to say anything? Yeah. Right. You know, like, I mean, it's just interesting to me that it seemed like, there's been a lot of people who've known about these things because they were there firsthand that have said nothing about it for years. And that, you know, um, you can't tell me that Calgary was unaware, right? Unaware of these issues with Bill Peters. Like, there's no way they didn't know, right? I mean, listening to... The 31 Thoughts podcast. I mean, uh, you know, um, Elliot Freeman said he's heard rumblings of these things and hasn't been able to get anybody to go on the record about it. Right. But, you know, he he said he's tried now to get... You know, there's current players that don't want to talk about it, right? right. And... Well, I think that uh, part of it will probably persist, right? Is that you're you don't want to cause a distraction for your team. I mean, certainly the the case with the two players in these incidents, Akeem Alou, no longer in the NHL. Um, what was the other guy's name? Michael. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, Michael Jordan. Uh, 
no longer in the NHL. I mean, certainly in the Marner thing happened, uh, you know, through some other source, um, you know, there seems to be a, still a lot of consequences for players or coaches or really anybody in the organization to speak out against somebody else in the organization. You know, it's, uh, I remember how big of a deal it was when Joe Thornton said like Doug Wilson was lying or something about when yeah. it was three or four yeah. years ago. I mean, that was a pretty huge deal. And I mean, this is an even bigger deal. Um, and I think by and large, all of these kinds of things, regardless of their severity, get swept under the rug because at least in Akeem Alou's case, it seems like he was essentially, you know, sent down to the minors for this kind of thing. And, and, and you know, he basically refused to have a relationship with Peters after that. And it basically cost him his hockey career. And I think, you know, still the case is that those, the coaches and the GMs certainly have so much power over the careers of these young players that no one's going to speak out about it. And it'd be really interesting to see if we see all this stuff after the fact. Um, but I still don't think we're going to see this flood of information coming from current players about current personnel in the NHL. You might see some... Uh, some allegations from from players or or executives that are no longer around or no longer involved but i think the code of silence is still going to be alive and well going forward mm. i i mean I, it'll be interesting I, I, to see what happens because i think there's a lot of current you know uh management and maybe even current coaches who could get caught up in these details you know we've seen allegations you know, it take weeks and months of people trickling out with allegations of, against people. Well, you know, uh, not in hockey, but in other situations, right? That it, it takes time for people to come out and these things need to be verified. But I mean, the, again, the name I'm really watching who has not said anything yet is Ron Francis. And maybe the guy did nothing wrong, right? I mean, maybe he handled it all appropriately. The uh, ex-Carolina owner didn't seem to think so. He said if he knew about this, he would have fired Peters. He said he didn't know. Right. So that's a problem. (laughs) That's a problem. And um, especially with a guy who is about to shepherd a new franchise through the most important part of their, you know, uh, birth in a city that's been longing for hockey for years and years are they really going to move forward ron francis if there's a cloud over his head it's a good question and plus you know the other thing is is vegas didn't do ron francis any favors i mean generally the expansion teams are expected to be pretty bad you know vegas obviously going to the stanley cup finals their first season i think the the expectations may be unrealistically high as it is for ron francis and now if he's operating under some other cloud uh it could be that much harder for him Dude, That's not going to happen again, dude. I mean, no, there's no way. There are so many teams that completely bungled their expansion draft strategy. They blew it. You know, they blew it. And, you know, in the moment, like you're like sort of like, you know, the Sharks lost Schlemko. And, you know, you look back on they go, Schlemko's not even the league anymore. Nope. Like, that was a brilliant, like, brilliant dump. Yeah. But, you know, you think the Sharks, you figure – they might have signed Schlemko basically to have him selected in the yeah in, in the expansion draft, right? And they were somehow able to get away with it without losing some of their key core players. So there's no way that these other teams that completely screwed this up, you know, 
of Florida let, you know, uh, March or so go for nothing. So many other things. Oh, excuse me. We have a guest. We do. Come on in. Does she have an opinion on Jonathan Marchessa? What do you think? You want to tell the listeners about your trip to Disneyland? Did you have fun? Yeah. Yeah? Did we meet someone from Canada? Yeah. Yeah, and and, uh, and her daddy liked hockey, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think you knew that? Oh, you guys were too busy talking about Disney stuff. <laughs> Do you have an opinion about the Seattle expansion franchise and Ron Francis, Maddie? What's that? Exactly. Right. I was just going to yeah. say the same thing. Right. Are you going to bed? Yeah, I'm just going to say goodnight. Okay. Well, I, we're almost done, and I will come in and give you a kiss. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Good night. Well, dude. Dude, there's one hockey story that maybe we should talk about. Now we're bringing it back to a little lighter thing, but it seems the New Jersey Devils, uh, frankly, suck. And uh, in that news, it seems like they are now fielding offers for Taylor Hall because Taylor Hall will be an unrestricted free agent next season. I read Pierre Lebrun's column in The Athletic. Doug Wilson mentioned in the column, dude. <laughs> Taylor Hall, dude. Can I let my hopes go up just a little bit? Just a bit? Well, you know, uh, you got to figure that he'll he'll be looking around to see how he could possibly make this work. It would involve him parting with some sort of significant core piece that is making some pretty decent money um yeah. you know it I mean, any no. any thoughts on what that could be my, i mean my like intellectual mind says this is absolutely impossible you know taylor hall will be getting eric carlson money for eight years when he signs he's 28 years old uh, a recent mvp of the league uh this is frankly this is not a signing or a player that the sharks should be pursuing taylor hall obviously well, a great player okay, but, but this is not let, what the sharks need right now but but let me this is the only way i think that this could happen dude and let me just throw this out there right the sharks have two dominant puck moving norris caliber defenders right mm-hmm. and i think in some ways, it's a very entertaining, and in some ways, it's a very strange fit. Could they look to move on from... I'm not advocating for this. I'm just saying, could they look to move on from Brent Burns and trade him to not New Jersey, but to some other team to facilitate a deal like this? That, to me, is the only way that they could do it. Yeah. And I don't know that they would... And I don't think that they would do it without Hall signing instantly. Like he would have to sign, of course, before they did it. But that's the only thing that they could do, unless they were willing to part with, you know, Hurdle, which I don't think they'll do because Hurdle's the center. Right. Yeah. So I, I, it, this, it seems like there's way too many pieces that have to be in play, and way too many other teams that are going to be. As interesting. Oh, you know he'll be in the mix. But this just goes back to my point from earlier in the year, dude. Is that I'm not totally bought in that Ryan Merkley is a shark. I think he could be a pawn, a piece that is used to get an important piece if the sharks look like cup contenders in the end. Because I don't know where he fits in on this team. 
Now, I don't know if he has any value. He may have no value. Yeah, because I don't know how much troubles, value. I, right? I, don't, I think it's a drop in the bucket when you're talking for, about Taylor Hall here. But if that could be a part of a package that is interesting to a team that is just garbage right now, right? Yep. That, that invested a lot of money in a lot of parts and it's not working out. Yeah, and Subban may be on the, on the move as well, dude. Maybe, dude. So, yep. Oops. It's, keep an eye on the Devils. Um, you know, they got some good young players, Jack Hughes and Nico Hischer and, and others. Um, and they're going to have another high draft pick this year, very likely. And they may just go full on, you know, nursery action here, have all teenager roster yeah. and, and ditch everybody else. Yeah, because pretty I, don't, disappointing. I don't see why having, having Taylor Hall for eight years is going to help them much. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It's pretty disappointing. All, All right, right, dude. dude. Got some tough games coming up, dude. But I think the the Sharks are still on the upswing here, and and they're let's see if they can give Washington a run for their money. Let's see if they can go in and hurt uh, Florida in Florida, and let's see how they stack up with what many people thought was the by far the best team in the NHL, the Tampa Bay Lightning. All three of those teams, the Sharks will be facing this coming week. Let's let's do it, dude. It's time for the tough part of the schedule. Go Sharks. I'm excited. Go Sharks. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.